this is a, a very exciting, um, shall we say, moment uh, for me, or, or shall, at least a beginning in terms of um, being able to uh, discuss uh, uh, with you uh, something that I think is of such great importance uh, to us as African people, particularly those of us in the diaspora. As you know, um, over time, in the last 500 years, we have been disconnected from our roots, we've been disconnected from who we have been. Um, we came to this so-called new world with, with nothing, um, 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 but only our memories in terms of um, who we were and what we were. And over a period of time, um, to a very large extent, that was beaten out of us. We were de dehumanized in the process. So um, we, we ended up um, not only knowing, not knowing our history, but in some sense, being disconnected from our humanity. And um, again, a very extensive process with um, so many violations of, of us as, as human beings in terms of human dignity. And what we are into us um, in terms of our day-to-day -day living. Um, obviously, to repair that that damage, to repair that damage, it's not just a matter of of, of breaking the chains and and saying, okay, now you're free. It's a matter really of of truly repairing the damage that has been done over time. And um, center, center in the center of all of that, therefore, it has to be an educational process, relearning uh, certainly our history, and then subsequent you know, relearning who we are as a people. And you know, you have done such a magnificent job in terms of of um, recording and, and showing us uh, who we were as a people over time. And um, it, it, this is so central, and, and therefore this is such a pleasure for me to to go forward with you in terms of this, you know, podcast. And um, hopefully, uh, why don't you tell us what you want to accomplish in terms of um, um, our discussion and and um, um, the audience uh, that we have. Okay. Well, my name is Robin Walker. I'm also known as the Black History Man. I'm part of a company and our company is called The Black Secret. And our job is to pass on black history content, black heritage content to build a sense of pride. And I also write books. I'm best known for a book called When We Rule, but I've written other books as well. And my job is very, very much to popularize black history and African heritage with as many people as want to hear it. So when it comes to things like what is black history, how does it work, what are the things that we need to know, these are the kinds of discussions that I do all the time. This is, if you like, my day job. <laughs> oh, wonderful, um, oh, Robin. So you know, um, can you take us back to, to to our roots? I mean, you know, I know a little bit about about, about history, and uh, I remember being, um, uh, uh, you know, so very much uh, surprised. Um, to understand um, the, 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 the prehistory, even before the written history of, of, of Kemet and our Nile Valley civilization. That, and, and it's in a book by Charlotte de Lubitz, um, Sacred Science, where uh, you know, he quotes um, uh, Herodotus and uh, Manetho and many other people, that, that um, uh, Kemet had a prehistory of 40,000 years before the first dynasty. Now, that's mind-boggling. Forty thousand years, you know, and and most of us have been 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 taught, if you will, that somehow history and civilization began with the Greeks and then the Romans, and of course that's barely two thousand years ago. Um, can you fill us in there? Very simply, um, if we're looking at African achievements, the oldest achievements that we can definitely point to. Are, are from Central Africa, what Central Africans were doing 90,000 years ago. Certain mm. fish hooks have been found, and these fish hooks were made by humans, and it's believed that Africans 90,000 years ago were engaged with in fishing uh, catfish, 
And because that's a seasonal fish, scholars have worked out that it was a, a, a planned activity of humans coming together to catch catfish 90,000 years ago. And those small bladelets represent a major advance in human technology 90,000 years ago. And the same types of hooks, people have found them across Africa and all the way into the Middle East, are from Central Africa to West Africa, from Central Africa to the Nile Valley. So you can, you can make those kinds of connections. Then you've got things like what Africans were doing 43,000 years ago. There's a mine that was found in uh, what used to be called Swaziland. Some people now call it Eswatini. And this mine, Africans were engaged in mining manganese 43,000 years ago. Then you have uh, developments in Southern Africa. Some people say 37,000 years ago, a bone was found in Lebombo. It's only about this long with uh, notches carved into it, which you could read as 29 notches and 30 spaces, believed to represent the concept of 29 and a half, which is a lunar cycle. And mm -hmm. so it shows that Africans 37,000 years ago in the Lebombo regions of South Africa were engaged in uh, 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 tracking lunar cycles and the cycle of a, a woman's menstrual cycle. So it's believed that women were responsible for the Lobombo bone. And this is the beginnings of mathematics. So there's many, many examples of very, very specific technological ideas that we can trace back to early Africa. That's, that's, that's wonderful in, in and of, its, of itself. I, 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 I think another thing that's important for us to to point out because uh, uh, to me again it, it's it's important for, for me as a person in terms of validating my 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 own uh, humanity is 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 that two hundred thousand years ago Homo sapiens sapiens uh, began in 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 Africa you know whether it was with that lady in, in Ethiopia or further south but certainly the anthropologists and the archaeologists. Have, have, have shown us this, uh, and um, I, I think it's also important for, for, for people to understand um, since uh, uh, Homo sapiens um, arose 200,000 years ago, it's, it's, it's um, in, let's say, northeastern Africa, if you will, or perhaps further south, um, Homo sapiens migrated not only across Africa, but around the world. And you know, we are therefore the, the 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 original people, and and all other people come from us. And I say this, and and I think it's of extreme importance to us, be, be, because and again, there's genetic evidence to substantiate what we're talking about. Um, there's one human species, but historically, what has happened? with the distortion of, of history and certain assumptions by Europeans, different races have, 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 have been identified as if to say we are from a different species. And, and you know, uh, certainly I wish you, you would talk to that in terms of the beginning of humanity uh, in was there were scholars at the University of California, Berkeley, and they were the ones that discovered uh, mitochondrial DNA. And then what they found was if you trace DNA, so you could trace it to find out who's descended from who, or you could find out who is ancestral to who. And the idea was then discovered that all humans are traceable to a African ancestress. And some of the books have tried to nickname her Eve, but that is really using a biblical name and sneaking that biblical name through the back door. And so a lot of scholars have said, no, well, it can't be Eve. Come on, let's, let's, let's not be, let's, let's be sensible here. But the, the paper came out, it was called Mitochondrial DNA in Human Evolution. And this was a paper that came out in 1987. 
And then from there, scholars have become more and more sure that indeed all humans are traceable to African ancestors. And the DNA evidence is very, very important. The other part of the story, of course, is when did non uh, people of non-African appearance appear? And it was originally thought that non-African appearances go back hundreds of thousands of years. And then the scholars have revised that to 20,000 years. And now they're actually revising it to less than 10,000 years. Mm. And so the, the, the genes responsible for skin lightening did not appear until the last 10,000 years. And so one time, every human on the planet Earth who was a homo sapiens was indeed uh, mm. African complexioned. And so that means essentially that black history isn't just Africa, it's also those black people that left Africa and maintained their complexions before those complexions were altered by the presence of the skin lightening genes that appeared uh, beginning 10,000 years ago. I think basically what you're saying is that African history is human history. And we Indeed. Indeed. have to look at it from that perspective. And um, that's, that's a perspective that, um, shall we say, is novel, um, in that the Europeans who have dominated the world to a large extent for the last 2,000 years, but certainly for the last 500 years. And, and, and then, of course, um, we, we know since the, the, the 1840s and so on and so forth, they've rewritten history. Um, and, and, you know, Martin Bernal, um, uh, has told us a, a, a lot about, about that in, in, in his books, um, um, whereby the, the ancient model, as, as he called it, was revised <laughs> to give you this new um, European model, which uh, came about in the um, uh, late um, 18th century and 19th century in the universities of Europe to justify the slave trade and to justify the barbarity against African people. So all of the pre previous history that had been recorded, again, by people like Herodotus and Manetho and Sessionese and so on, that went out the window. And, and this new revised version uh, took, took front, front and center, as, as, as well as this whole business of, of, of language, and, and as if to say uh, language and, and, and written words um, started anywhere else but uh, in Africa with the original people. And, and, and the whole business of, of science and, and, and civilization, are again, all removed uh, from Africa um, and, and placed uh, in Greece and, and in Rome. As a matter of fact, whatever was attributed to, to Egypt, it was felt that Egypt somehow this was, not, was not part of Africa. Uh, Egypt was either inhabited by people from outer space or from Atlantis or from Lemuria. Could you speak to all of that obfuscation of, of, of the reality of, of, of history, of our history, and of course, the history of the world, because it's turned the world upside down? Um, what you said there is very, very powerful. And to chew it off, it would take a long time to chew it up. But, but I'll give you a, a hint. I don't entirely agree with Bernal. Mm. You see, Bernal at one time the, there was a, an ancient model and then it was replaced by an Aryan mm -hmm. model. My research says that while some of that happened, that wasn't the only thing that did happen. Mm -hmm. There were always scholars around that told the truth, but those scholars have been sidelined and how European scholars have got away with sidelining it is really, really interesting. So when um, Orientalism was founded, it was founded in the 18th century by the French scholars, people like Count de Volney, people like Monsieur Charles Dupuis. When those scholars came around, they admitted freely that ancient Africans, they called ancient Africans Ethiopians, 
they made it quite clear that Ethiopians are the people that started civilization and that these people were black-skinned and woolly-haired. They made that absolutely clear. When Egyptology was born, it was born, now Orientalism now split into Egyptology, it split into Assyriology, and it split into Anthropology. And then you had the Egyptologists led by Jean-Francois Champollion, the first Egyptologist. He makes it quite clear, if you want to see the descendants of the ancient Egyptians, go to the Nubian populations. Uh, he calls them present-day inhabitants of Nubia, and not to the Copts. And so in Egypt, you've got... Um, the Copts, who their language is closest to the ancient Egyptian, but they're actually very, very mixed. Mm -hmm. But you've also got the Nubians as well, and the Nubians are largely black. And Champollion said it's the Nubians you should be looking to if you want to find the descendants of the ancient Egyptians. Now, the result is Champollion's work has never been translated out of the French into mm -hmm. the English. So that's that was how they dealt with him. And the only way that we know that Champollion said that is because Diop quotes mm. it. And Diop, and because Diop's book has now been translated into English, we now know that that's what Champollion said. Then you had Assyriology. Assyriology is now the study of the Middle East. Uh, Sumer, uh, Elam, uh, Akkadia, Babylonia, mm. Chaldea. And the father of that discipline is General Sir Henry Rawlinson mm. and I've got his stuff mm. and it's all quotable he says the the first inhabitants were Kushites mm -hmm. and then he says uh what he means Uh, uh, negative, yeah, yeah, and so when it came to who the Sumerians were, uh, General Sir Henry Rawlinson, uh, the father of the discipline, he made it clear. And what's then happened is, of course, is none of his stuff has been reprinted since the 19th century, so that's how they dealt with him. <laughs> then you had now the birth of uh, physical anthropology, and physical anthropology now came out with people like, um. Uh, what's his name? Researches into the physical history of man. Um, Not Petrie. It wasn't Petrie. This was before Petrie. Researches into the physical history of man. James Powell's Pritchard. Ah, mm, uh, okay. Pritchard. Mm -hmm. Not only does he say the human race is of Negro origin, he says, and I'm quoting now, and I know of no other argument from the other side. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And Pritchard, he goes into ancient Egypt. As far as he's concerned, they're Negroes. He goes into ancient India. They're also Negroes. Mm. The book is a bombshell. Mm. And the book came out in 1813, I seem to remember. Mm -hmm. And so what then happened is, is so scholars had to find a way of dealing with Champollion. Simple, don't, don't translate the stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, they had to find a way of dealing with Rawlinson. Simple, don't reprint the stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were able to do this so that they could fabricate what Bernal calls the Aryan, uh, Aryan model. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't because scholars at the University of Germany won the argument. They never won the argument. All they did was bury the original stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is then they were able to create a lie that says, if you want to learn black history, don't read any of the 19th century stuff. It's all racist. Mm -hmm. On the contrary, the 19th century stuff tells a lot more truth than the 20th century mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, um, it's 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 a pattern that repeats itself. Uh, yeah. Currently, as as you know, there there are Arabs in Egypt who are, who are claiming that you know, Egyptian civilization is theirs. Yeah, yeah. And, and as as you know, um, um, what's his name, DeSantis, 
in Florida here in, in the United States is, is saying that, you know, don't read anything about black people because that's not relevant. Um, if, if, you know, so what happened in the 18th century, 19th century, et cetera, et cetera, is going on in the 21st century. Absolutely and, true. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, let me say something about that. I, I've heard that there are some Arab Egyptians wanting to do a lawsuit against Shonda Rhimes, uh, something to do with they're upset about the portrayal of Cleopatra. Yes. And what I say to those Arab Egyptians, if you're watching this, bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. Mm. You're going to lose. Are people pretending to be ancient Egyptians when they set foot in that country December 639 AD, pretending yes. to be ancient Egyptians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even BC, AD. And that, that's so well documented. I, I, I can't imagine why they're trying to, um, well, I shouldn't say that because then you have the, the mindset of the Santis as if to say, you know, slavery didn't happen, black history. But, but, the history of black people doesn't matter. You just throw it out the window, and you yeah, create yeah. your own truth. And, yeah. and and this is the whole thing with the with the mindset, you know. As my dad say, we have to liberate our minds from mental slavery because you know while others we help you free the body, you know you can break the chains. But unless you break the chains around your is your mind, you're still going to be enslaved by a process that has been enslaving your minds you know, for centuries. And, 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 and in doing that, um, it's also altered the course of civilization, their civilization, in a sense, which has become dominant, because it's so far away from the truth. And, and now anytime something is, is shall we say, discovered, it, it's as if to say it's something new and, and was never there before. When you know so many of the ancient civilizations did all these things, uh, you know, um, millennia before, you know, whether it's in Africa or in India or in Asia and China and, and so on, and and so we have this distortion, and um, I, I I think that is what is 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 destroying the world and, and leading it astray, and I think that unless the history of Africa is righted, because as we we have said at, at, at the top of the hour that, uh, that you know, African history is world history. So unless that is righted, then the, the world is, is headed certainly for a catastrophe because it's carrying out uh, a, a, a lie. And it's not only carrying out a, a lie uh, historically. I, I, I think it continues to validate a way of looking at reality. That, that is a materialistic approach, and that has led us to scientific materialism. It, 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 it has it, you know, led us to, 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 to nuclear um, um, weaponry. It is leading us to artificial in, intelligence, um, of which all of these things have the potential to destroy not just nature, but, but our humanity, uh, and, and both, actually. And, and, um, a bit, and because of this one-sided approach to reality, which is a, a physical approach, a materialistic approach, the five senses, um, there is no balance in terms of understanding um, the, re the reality that you, you can't have matter without, without spirit. Uh, if, if, you know, there's, there's no such thing. As, as, as mass without energy. I mean, Einstein showed them that, you know, E equals MC squared. And, and, um, and now quantum physics has shown them that, that consciousness is primary. Consciousness is what moves everything. And, and so there's no longer any basis um, for, for their scientific material, which produced the Industrial Revolution, which has been, you know, using up the resources of the world and producing all of the the, the, the gases, et cetera, the CO2 and the methane, and, and elevating um, um, the, the temperature. Um, I, you know, the, the end result... Can I jump in there, sir? Can I yeah, jump, please, jump Please do, please do, yes. Um, you see, this is the way that we're coming at it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Essentially, if you write history in a particular way, you can indeed put European science and technology on a pedestal. 
And of course, that's what they've done. Mm -hmm. And the way that they do it is if you remove ancient Egypt from uh, world history, and if you then replace that by some European foundation, you can make it look like European science is the alpha and the omega of all knowledge. And that's mm -hmm. the, what they've actually done. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. As we're finding out more and more about history, we're finding out that it's not just the political history that's been rewritten. It's also the scientific and intellectual history as well. And so with that, then, the game is now changing even here. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to, for example, um, the whole thing about human origins, a lot of people would start with Darwin and his theories of natural selection. We now know that there were black scholars in the Middle Ages, and we can name one, uh, Abu Uthman ibn uh, al-Jahis, and he's the guy that wrote uh, the book of the glory of the black race. Mm. And that was a ninth century book that's been reprinted. But the same scholar has also written a book called the book of animals. And there are passages in the book of animals that reads just like the theory of natural selection. And because Al-Jahiz is a Muslim, Muslim scholars have been running with that to say, see, Muslims invented the theory of evolution. Does mm. that make sense? But mm. you then read their books and they make it quite clear. Al-Jahiz, an Arab intellectual of East African descent. That's how they describe him. Mm. You see, so the question now is, I'm now raising the question, if this is all true, why is Darwin in the, the, the science classes and not El Jahiz? You mm. see, mm. and when we then bring in other African intellectual centers, the likes of Timbuktu, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, again, it changes the game. So a lot of the uh, uh, scientific ideas associated with people like Galileo and Copernicus about the sun being the center of the, the mm. universe and the planets orbiting it. Um, there are Timbuktu manuscripts that say that. And those Timbuktu manuscripts are 150 years before Galileo and Copernicus. So these are the ways then that the scientific history of the world is being changed by African data. Mm. And what we're trying to do at the Black Secret is to show how, by changing what is taught in African history, it changes all the other disciplines. So science teaching can't now be the same. And in that way, we dethrone European science from being the alpha and the omega of all science, mm -hmm. you see. And therefore, the kind of things that you're talking about, where they can come with a soulless, dead matter thesis, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that theory now, which now becomes the basis of their physics and the basis of their chemistry, we don't have to accept it. We can dethrone it and we could produce our own intellectual heritage when it mm -hmm. comes to the whole scientific endeavor. And mm -hmm. again, even when they came with the dead matter thesis, there were some of their own philosophers that disagreed with that. But those philosophers that disagreed had to be overruled. So mm. they could do that. And in that way, you can now come with a materialism and the materialism, which is soulless. Mm -hmm. And then once you do that, yeah. you're now where, headed exactly where modern science is headed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, you're 100% right, you know, and they've always sort of looked look down on, 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 on Africa. Um, um, as if from a pedestal, when it's been yeah. from a pedestal of ignorance. Like they, 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 they said that we were animists because we thought that everything was animated by yeah. energy. Of course, you know, Albert Einstein showed them, yeah, everything is animated. Everything has an energy base and matter is just slow moving uh, uh, energy. Yeah. yeah, you know, and of course he did this in the late 19th century when this is something what was always present in all African societies. Uh, if you, you know, the wind was a force 
you know, the, wa the water has, has dynamic energy. The, the earth has its own energy. All of these things, you know, have energy. Not only did they have energy, but they had consciousness in that you could speak to the winds and you could speak to the water and you could speak to the earth. But that, that has not been understood. That, that was called panpsychism. Yeah. Which, which, which is another word is, you know, crazy people, they're panpsychism. What the heck could that be? You know, when we believe in one God, whatever the one God was, was out there somewhere extraneous to everything else. And these people believe in panpsychism. Well, this is what, you know, quantum physics has shown us, that there is panpsychism. There, there is consciousness in everything. So you, you go from energy and they're all of matter. consciousness and, 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 and the way is open shall we say for us to, to reconstruct uh, who we are as a people based on the, the, the historical facts and, and based on a systematic educational process because then we, we can produce the paradigm that is needed to counter the, the paradigm of, of, of um, um, you know scientific materialism which um, really is, is leading us to disaster. Bruce, and, and, and my whole thing very much is to work out ways of systematizing the data so mm -hmm. we can systematize the history teaching, but we can at the same time systematize the science teaching. Because if you then uh, look at what we now know in terms of African science and technology, not just the stuff that the people in Kemet were doing, uh, not just the stuff that people in Ghana, Mali, Songhai were doing, not just the stuff that people in Ethiopia were doing, the Swahilis. Um, are you familiar, sir, with, uh, there's a gentleman in America, Professor Vincent Taraku Farrar, who has written a book called Pre-Colonial African Material Culture. Uh, okay, let, let me explain his importance. Okay. In his book, he says, Ancient Egypt, Bonnet. Songhai, Bonnet. Swahilis, Bonnet. Um, his view is, forget all of that. We're going to deal with the Africa nobody else deals with. Strictly Central Africa, the West African coast. That's it. And his thing is, let's show what their technology was saying. Do you see? And you may think, well, what a, what a, what a waste of a project. It turns out that it's actually a revolutionary project because what he's shown is during things like the enslavement of African-Americans, enslavement of Black people in the Caribbean, the enslavement of Black people in South America, when, the, when our, our people were being enslaved, the enslavers had three choices. They could either use their own technology coming from Europe or they could have used Native American technology coming from the indigenous Americans, or they could use uh, African technology coming from Africa. And in most cases, they picked African technologies coming from these people from Western Central Africa. And it gives the examples of the crops that were being grown and the agricultural techniques. It gives the examples of the metallurgy where uh, Africans were particularly kidnapped for their metallurgical skills. He gives the examples of um, uh, Senegambian um, uh, horsemen uh, being kidnapped to become the cowboys in the Americas. He gives the examples of, uh, in the, between the 15th and the 18th century, the finest cotton in the world came from Senegambia. Wow. Now, once Europeans knew that, you now know what's going to happen to people from Senegambia. They're going to end up as slaves working cotton. Mm. Then you've got certain techniques like indigo and indigo production. Mm. I've since found an 18th century etching, and the etching has got Africans and Native Americans uh, engaged in an indigo production, I think it's in South Carolina, somewhere like that. And you've got two Europeans on the side watching as these slaves are doing this. And then you find out that the center of indigo, 
Uh, the houses in what's now northern Nigeria, they were a center of indigo. So that would be a reason why you would snatch people from these countries. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to things like mining, you know, I mentioned that Africans were mining 43,200 years ago in um, Eswatini or Swaziland, whatever. Um, you would then swipe Africans to, to then do the, the, the mining in South America and so on and so forth. And so the, the level of technological transfer from Africa to the West during the enslavement period was massive. And if it wasn't for uh, uh, this uh, dear brother, Professor Vincent Taraku Farrar, um, see, a lot of the information was in this book, this doctorate thesis, this book, this doctorate thesis. What he did was he put it together and make it a coherent narrative. And it's a powerful narrative, you know? Yeah, could you so, repeat that for me? Because I'd love to get that, because most of what you're saying is unknown to it. I know something about the crops, particularly rice, um, uh, yeah. from Senegal, and, and I think the Sea Island area outside Georgia and so on. Uh, a lot of those people came from Senegambia and, and, and brought their rice culture uh, with them, uh, South Carolina, et cetera. But the other stuff that you mentioned, uh, I think I'm well read, but it was novel to me. I, I, say, I, I have to thank one of my, um, uh, there's a young man that's kind of um, uh, showing me some of the new findings. Uh, his mm. name is Emmanuel Adama. And what's happened is, is he's hipping me to some of the latest uh, research, which is changing the game. So the gentleman's name is Vincent Taraku Farrar, F-A-R-R-A-R, -R -R, I think. Okay. And his book is called Pre-Colonial African Material Culture. Okay. And it's not about the Kemets. It's not about the Kushis. It's all about the places in Africa that everyone ignores. Mm -hmm. Pre-Colonial African Material Culture. Okay. And... He's revolutionizing the game because what it now means is if we were now trying to reconstruct an ancient African science history, this is what it would now look like. You've mentioned Shwala de Lubish's book, yeah. um, Sacred Science. Yeah. All right. That could be, if you like, chapter two. Chapter one will be the prehistoric stuff. Africans engaged in mining 43,000 years ago, counting 37,000 years ago, the Ishango bone 25,000 years ago, animal husbandry in Kenya 15,000 years ago, uh, anim uh, Africans engaged in astronomy at Nabta Playa uh, 8,400 years ago. That's if you like chapter one. Schwader the Lubitsch now, that becomes your chapter two. The great African civilizations like Timbuktu, et cetera, et cetera. That becomes, if you like, chapters three, four, five, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the, the technological transfer by slaves. Mm -hmm. That becomes a chapter. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the scientific transfers by slaves. I think you probably know this already. Um, smallpox vaccination yeah. was brought into America in Boston by an African slave by his European name, Juan Yeah. Um, there's one thing that's been blowing up in this country. I don't know if you're aware of it. Uh, we now know that um, Jack Daniels whiskey wasn't Jack Daniels. It was a slave called Nathan Nearest Green. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so we're starting to find out that a lot of things that we thought were European discoveries, mm -hmm. it wasn't. It was Nathan Nearest Green who was, the story went that Jack Daniels was taught by a guy called um, uh, uh, Daniel Call, I think his name was. And it wasn't Daniel Call, it was Daniel Call's slave, Nathan Nearest Green. Mm -hmm. So what's happened now then is we're starting to see these scientific and technological transfers. And then you've got now your next chapter will be the African-American scientists and inventors, Elijah McCoy, uh, Granville T. Woods, blah, blah. Now, can you see it's an alternative science history? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, that, 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 that's so Im important because, you know, you know what, 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 what comes to my, to, to my mind is, is, is Carter G. Woods and the miseducation of the Negro. 
And, yeah. and, and he said, you know, if the Negro is taught the same thing as, as his white, you know, oppressor, then, you know, if, if there's no back door, he, he'll find a back door and he'll build a back door to, to get, into, and get into the house. And, and, and we've seen that. And, and of course, what we have been told over and over again in, in our schools is, is that, you know, the Negro brought nothing. The Negro was uncivilized, if you will, and, um, you know, and, and was brought here, you know, thank God he was brought here because he was brought here to be civilized. And he really came with absolutely nothing. Um, he came from a savage continent, uh, you know, where people probably even ate each other. You know, ooga booga booga booga. You know, with a with a bone in your nose, and and, and you at uh, each other, and you're okay, always. Let me, let me come back on that. Let me come back on that. Okay. Even that turns out to be nonsense. Let me tell you. Um, uh, I have a background in music, and because I have a background in music, I'm also interested in the history of dance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. In Britain, we have a TV program called Strictly Come Dancing. And what that does is it popularizes ballroom dance. And one of the presenters of that program um, did a TV series, a three-parter called The History of Intimate Dance, Dancing Cheek to Cheek. Mm. And one of the programs was called The Shock of the New. And it pointed out the influence of African-American ragtime mm. and how ragtime changed ballroom dance. And they mentioned four ragtime dances and they were all, they made it clear that these were called plantation dances because they were done by slaves on slave plantations. Mm. Honey hug, the camel walk, the uh, uh, turkey trot, <laughs> and the grizzly bear. And those four dances ended up influencing the white upper classes mm. to create. And then what then happened is when those dances crossed into the white community, they now had a new name, the Foxtrot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So stuff that started off on slave plantations. And I did my own research. And then I found out that the tango, the same thing happened, except the tango was Black people in Buenos Aires. Yes, that one I know about. Yeah, the Habanera, the same thing happened. This was black people in Cuba. Mm -hmm. The Samba, the same thing happened. This was black people in Brazil. Mm -hmm. The Rumba, same thing happened. This was black people in Cuba. Um, the Mambo, this was black people. Some of them were in Cuba, some of them were in Cuba. Perez Prado, I remember yeah. him very well. I used to listen to him in Jamaica on the radio because yeah, people yeah, were yeah. 90 miles away. So I could listen to Perez Prado and the Mambo, and then came the cha-cha-cha. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 and then you find out, that, but wait a minute, out of all the ballroom dances, the only ones that weren't invented by enslaved Africans, as far as I can tell, is the waltz, the polka, and the pasodoble. Right? Those are the only ones that weren't, all the others. So what that means is, is the very thing that they said was jungle dancing, <laughs> jungle music, the same people that said that mm -hmm. ended up codifying our dances and making them into the dances of the upper classes, mm -hmm. ballroom. Mm -hmm. And this was enslaved Africans responsible. So even when they, they say bone through noses, blah, 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 you realize it's all nonsense. Absolutely, absolutely. And you can trace so much of the creativity here, certainly here in America, um, yeah. to, to African-Americans. Um, yeah. You know, the, 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 the blues and, and, and gospel and, and jazz, you know, coming out of all of that um, yeah. um, community music, if you will. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you know that that we would perform, you you know Friday nights and Saturdays, you know to enjoy ourselves. I mean, and and the whole rhythmic basis of it, because you know we are rhythmic people. They're definitely not rhythmic people. <laughs> you know, they may be harmonic, but they're they're not rhythmic. And and all of those rhythmic things really, you know, come out of an African uh, base. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and so what happens then is that, again, thanks to Vincent Tarakou Farrell, mm. um, I've, I've learned a new respect for the people that ended up as slaves and what their contribution were, was, because their contribution was massive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and then if you want to go into their contribution in religion, because mm -hmm. without that same population, you, you would Pentecostalism, none of that stuff would exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you then look at how uh, uh, it doesn't matter which direction you want to take the research. You can rewrite, you know, the different uh, curricula for the different subjects. You can rewrite them just based on what we've been able to achieve. I, I, I think, um, you know, that, 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 um, that's obviously true. And, and it's also uh, important because it leads back to a different way of, of, of looking at the universe, of, of um, accepting what is reality. Because I, I believe that uh, as African people, we have always had an understanding of, of, of a spiritual reality and a physical reality, and that the two were not separate, that the two were, were intertwined. And if we go back and, you know, um, um, as, as we go forward, of course, we, we'll do this, uh, you know, in, in deeper in terms of excavating the, the philosophy and the theology, certainly of, of Kemet. Um, if, 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 if we go back to their understanding, and, and certainly with the story of, you know, Ausar, Auset, and Heru, and, and so on, I mean, Auset is really the, Ausar is very much the, the spiritual component of who we are. And to resurrect Alsar means to means uh, uh, to bring that spiritual self, you know, to the fore, and that is what guides us as human beings. And you can see that, you know, all through, um, you know, African civilizations, you know, not just the the Dagon per se, but but um, as, as, as um, but but you know, uh, uh, Ubuntu and, and so on is based on that. That you know, you you have the same spiritual essence that I have. And that's how I, I greet you, you know, because we are the same. You know, it's not it's not just two separate individuals and I'm going to be nice to you. No, I'm going to be nice to you because we're really the same. And that's the difference between Ubuntu and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm treating me as, as I want to be treated. So um, uh, that whole um, uh, perspective, or I should say consciousness or perceptive ability, to be able to go beyond the five senses and understand the spiritual presence that's always been in, in, in Africa, you know, and, and I think, um, you know, Sheikh Anthony Diop and, and others have, have pointed to that. And that is really the basis of our unity. And that is something that has to be brought back to the fore, because one of our problems at the present time is our divisiveness, even in relationship to religion, as you know, the African continent is subject to, you know, uh, so many religions, quotes that started outside the continent, but also intrinsic religions. I mean, it's Islam. I'm not even sure what percentage of the, of the continent, uh, you know, uh, has uh, Islam as a religion. Maybe 60 percent. I'm not sure. But and Christianity, that maybe the other 30 percent, if not more. And then, you know, there are the indigenous religions here and there that some people still adhere to. So those uh, let me jump in a little bit there, sir. Can I jump in? Yeah, please. Yes. Yeah, I mean, but even there too, you see, because um, because my whole thing is very, very much about education. Mm -hmm. Because of the research of people like uh, Professor John Jackson mm -hmm. and Professor Yusef Ben Yochanan, we can revolutionize the teaching of religious education. Mm -hmm. Because what it is, is um, it is true that the Abrahamic religion started from outside Africa, but they contain so many elements from inside Africa. Mm -hmm. And what's more, we are important players in the history and evolution of those religions, so much so that we should claim it. Because what happens is if we say, now, Barnett, they're from outside, you're mm -hmm. giving away too much of our history to people that don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. So 
um, the way that, for example, uh, when Dr. Ben wrote African Origins of the Major Western Religions, and he talks about Moses and his influence on Judaism, Bilal and his influence on Islam, St. Augustine and his influence on Christianity, um, and the way that Black people, uh, for example, a lot of the African-Americans have contributed important new ideas and theologies, especially in the last two centuries. What the Honorable Elijah Muhammad did with Islam, uh, what um, your father did with uh, Christianity. Uh, do you see, it's changing the, the, the theological game, what the, the Reverend Dr. King did with Christianity, what mm -hmm. people have did with Black liberation theology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And again, that is an intellectual history that is too important to give away. And what I propose is when it comes to how we teach um, uh, the next generation uh, in terms of producing African-centered content, mm -hmm. these are the approaches I think that would be a constructive way that if we can teach young people that um, these religions, they may, they may have come from outside, but they've got a whole heap of inside elements in them and mm -hmm. a whole heap of black scholars and theologians and mystics and so on have contributed to them. Um, you now have an intelligent basis to pick and choose, do you see? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as you say, the overriding philosophy of Ubuntu and so on, uh, we can now include that alongside Ma'atian ideas and so on and so forth, so that you've got a holistic picture of mm -hmm. the origin and evolution of religion. And mm -hmm. we can do that from our perspective mm -hmm. in a way that embraces everybody's tradition, mm -hmm. do you see? Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's um, uh, 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 tremendous. And... Um... Uh, comprehensive, shall we say, and big picture, and um, it's of extreme importance because um, we we face uh, a problem and a situation that's never been faced by humanity before, and and it requires that sort of of, of thinking, understanding, and educational process to bring us back from the edge of uh, the destruction. And as you mentioned, um, this um, way, uh, which we can call a new paradigm, or we can call it the old, the old paradigm revisited, the, the big picture is of extreme importance um, uh, because it, it, it is founded on a different way of viewing reality. And this has not been brought to the fore. Um, the only way of viewing reality has been the way in which the Greeks, etc., have defined it, which is through the intellect, uh, through through uh, uh, logic, and through dialectic reasoning, and that's that's a very narrow perspective because it's based on on, on language and it's based on on, on words which, which are incarceration of ideas. And very often, we don't know what the meaning of the words are because a word has a different meaning depending on its context and its relationship and, and who, is, who is using it and how they're using it. So, so, so um, you, you are unable to perceive truth relative to simply dialectic reasoning because all you're doing is using facts and moving facts around. Now, there's another way to gain knowledge and I think this is, this is the, the, the African way. The, 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 the hermeneutics, if you will, of ontology, and uh, you know, I'm sure we we, we will get into that, and and, and that is the, the the whole business of, of of full consciousness as conscious of itself, and then be able to absorb information not only through the five senses but through its contact and its relationship with the 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 the, the unified field, if you will, or, or or cosmic consciousness, if you will or even with God, if you want to think about it or talk about it in a re religious sense. And, and I think this is what has to be appreciated because it's the basis of all the things that, that you're saying is, is that we, 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 we have a philosophy that can be based on that. 
We have a theology that, that can be based on that. We have a science that can be based on that, uh, as opposed to that which has been based on simply the understanding of, that comes from the facts related to the five senses. And, and that is what has gotten us uh, into trouble. So, so we follow this ability to create things, material things, without appreciating the context and, 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 and what is going to happen down the road if we continue to do this as our garbage piles up and, and as we overeat the planet and, and so on. Um, you, you know, there, there is a whole um, educational process, as, as you say, that, that has to be done. And hopefully we can explore that uh, uh, together as, as we go down the road. Yeah, I mean, let me say something about that. This is the reason why I'm very, very much about uh, if we can rescue the history, we can re rescue the science history based on it. We can re rescue the STEM history based on it. We can rescue the philosophy based on it. And we can then turn these into uh, a fully uh, coherent model of teaching mm -hmm. that takes us outside of European paradigms. Yeah. And if we're looking at, for example, some of the religious systems of some of our ancestors, the, for example, in Mali or Ban the Bandiagara Cliffs, where the Dogon were able to synthesize high science including some of the the outer reaches of abstract physics with mm -hmm. a religion and it's not a contradiction mm -hmm. and what that tells me is if we can come with a body of knowledge that could be used to taught the teach the next generation mm -hmm. we could revolutionize um stem teaching we really could because mm -hmm. you can get a generation of of thinkers that don't think that stuff that is outside of the five senses is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And the other thing too is, and this is what's eating European science from the inside. Have you heard of what they call the repl uh, uh, the the the, the uh, I think it's called the 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 ability to replicate the replication crisis with AI. Not just with AI, with European science generally. Um, mm -hmm. Articles have come out in mm -hmm. the last few years that it's not just psychology, it's not just economics, i.e. the soft sciences. It's also with the hard sciences that something like 40 to 60% of uh, uh, experiments can't be replicated. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Um, and what happens is, is the techniques that scientists are using, people are calling it p-hacking, where you're trying to uh, uh, twist your uh, experiment so that you get the 5% significance. Mm -hmm. And they've got, they've managed to jig the figures to get the 5% significance. Published that. Mm -hmm. And then when other people try to replicate it, they've been unable to do it in between 40 mm -hmm. cases. Um, science so science sake, just writing a lot of papers and publishing a lot yeah, of papers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you've got, a, repl you've got a, a, a replication crisis in science, which is supposed to be based on the dead matter thesis, you really do have a problem. Yes, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, you know, um, uh, I, that's not surprising uh, uh, to me we, 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 because I, I think there's an end game here that we're seeing playing out. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's playing out in, in, in science and, 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 and technology. And, and, and um, it's, it's playing out in, in, in government. And we see that in terms of, of, of politics. We're moving to a multipolar universe and so on. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's playing out in terms of. Um, the, the 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 cultural disorder that you see within, for example, the United States was at the forefront of, of this whole materialistic um, um, culture and environment, and and it, it has nothing to hold it together. You know, the yeah. boys are over there, um, Trump is over there, and you know, the uh, <laughs> scientist is over there, and and and, and so on and so forth. Are all you know very negative uh, uh, influences. 
you know, fighting uh, against each other. So there's nothing uh, to hold it together. And, and, and this is where there's a necessity for what you're just uh, talking about. And I certainly look forward to exploring these things uh, with you in, in greater detail. And I, it's been a pleasure so far to, to get started. So um, thank you very much, sir. Great. See you next time, Robin. Okay, thank you very, very much. Hope you've enjoyed that. Definitely have.